Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. And welcome to another session of the IFG weekly tafsir session. This week we have a very special guest leading our session and it is none other than Sheikh Hasib Noor. Jazakallahu khairan for blessing us with your time, wisdom and insight today, Sheikh. May Allah accept it. Just for those, of you, well, yeah. Just for those of you who aren't familiar with the Sheikh, Sheikh Hasib Noor is the founder, president, and teaches with the Legacy Institute, an education and research institution for Islamic studies. I'm actually a student there myself. I've taken several of the courses, which are excellent, I must say. He serves as well as an instructor with Al Maghrib Institute. He is among the founders of Faith Global, a global Muslim platform for creating community spaces that provides welcoming spaces for connecting with relevant. Islam and practical spirituality. Faith community spaces have been founded in London, Austin, Ottawa, New York City, and San Diego. He hails from Afghan heritage, grew up in the US, and studied at the College of Islamic Law and the University of Medina. He pursued his studies in the city of the Prophet for over a decade under the tutelage of over 50 scholars specializing in fiqh, fatwa, hadith, tafsir, history, sirah, and the Islamic sciences. He has affiliation with the Center for Historical Studies of Medina and is part of the Deva uh, Research, the Society for Ar of Archaeology and Historical Sites of Medina, and serves as an educational consultant and resident scholar. So, mashallah, a very hefty bio, mashallah. So, we are very grateful for you, Chef. And with that, I will hand over the mic to you. Zakam khair, Habib. Allah bless you. Thank you all for, first of all, Bismillah, Having alhamdulillah, this opportunity to come on uh, Islamic Finance Guru, it's actually subhanAllah, it's about time because me and uh, alhamdulillah, some of the members have been in contact for a while. Uh, and alhamdulillah, of course, the Telegram group, mashallah, doing amazing things. I honestly think in terms of just resources, it's the number one go-to for me for people to get educated on Islamic finance. And uh, also something I think that bringing our community to, I guess, an update up to speed of what a lot of other faith communities, also just generally people, have been in terms of their advancement in uh, finance, their, advice, in, their advancement in investment. And if I can just give you a small anecdote of how important this is, it is when I was doing a project with some friends in high school with regards to um, mutual funds. So it was, we were trying to figure out, okay, what's mutual funds? Tell us what mutual funds are. And I find out I'm the only person in that entire group that does not have a mutual fund that their parents had set up when they were just starting out, you know, they were born basically. And that teaches you how far behind we are in the Muslim community in terms of getting over our own fear mongering and shaming when it comes to investment. And this is actually a very beautiful place to start actually, to overcome our fear and to be educated to advance because as Sheikh Abul Hassan Nadwi says, and this is a little bit of a history into this, that part of the reason why the Muslim Ummah went so back and declined is because of a lack of advancement. The decline of the Ottoman Empire has one number one to do with lack of advancement. And number two, lack of taking advantage of risk management that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given us. Number three, fragmentation amongst each other, fighting over dunya and power and, and leadership, etc. And then number four, not taking advantage of the resources that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. So this is where exactly where we speak about risk management in the Quran. And when we spoke about this topic, I actually have like a 14-page paper on this topic, which I hope to create a book out of because it's that important. So hopefully we'll just cover a few things in it. But like I said, this is the perfect place to start because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts the Quran this way. And there's two things in the Quran. 
the Quran starts with the source of guidance, and then immediately that guidance can only be effective if it has one solution, one ingredient, and that ingredient is taqwa. Guidance of Islam is not going to benefit you if you don't have taqwa of Allah. And taqwa often translated as, as fear. Isn't that interesting? We're, <laughs> our fear has unfortunately not been translated properly. The correct meaning of taqwa is consciousness. To be consistently conscious in your everyday decision making with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in mind. And then the second thing that comes after is immediately risk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it again. Right. Alif Lamim, this is the book that there is no doubt in it. It is uh, a guide to those who are conscious of Allah, again, consciousness and guidance, and those who believe in the unseen, establish prayer and donate, or they give. The correct translation is they give from that which they were blessed with, from that which we provided for them, from that which we gave them. So rizq is immediately in the beginning portion of the Quran. And the great scholar Ibn Faris, in his uh, work, Maqais al he explains what uh, rizq actually means. Rizq comes from the source of three-letter root, which means al-ata liwaqt, which means to give in a specific time portion and to be the cause of giving. So when we say Allah is al-razzaq, immediately, look at what we already affirm. We affirm that the only one who gives, the only one who has the source of our sustainment and our investment and our benefit and our profit and our capital and our loss is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, he is the one who causes risk. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, thereafter, وَمَا مِن دَابَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا وَيَعْلَمُ مُسْتَقَرَّهَا وَمُسْتَوْدَعَهَا كُلُّ فِي كِتَابٍ مُّبِينٍ In Surah Al-Hud, Surah Al-Hud, Allah says there's not a single moving creature, not even animal, not just human, not a moving creature. And this can actually, by the way, amazingly enough, also encompass microorganisms, things like that. that except that their risk is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is only guaranteed by Allah. Look at the wording. Allah is the only one who has his guarantee. Not Allah is the only one in possession of it. Because if you know that Allah is in possession, then you already know who to seek it from. But if you know that Allah has the guarantee, what's the biggest thing that you need in an investment besides, of course, you need to do your due diligence, your R&D, making sure that uh, the investment is good. If you had one thing, you and I would get into any, every single investment if it has this one ingredient. And what is that? Guarantee. Guarantee profit. And what is the first thing we ask in every single investment? We ask for what is the profit margin? What's a guarantee that we can look at? And people say, you know, 7%, 10%, 20%, whatever it is, 20%. If you do it, let me know about that, inshallah, because I'll get into it as well. But the point, the point being is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is the only one who has the guarantee and He knows its establishment, its source. So its source is in the hand of Allah. And where it ends is also in the hands of Allah. So look, I mean, it's from Allah. It's guaranteed by Allah. Its source is from Allah and its end is, in, is with Allah. And these things, in essence, what does it do from a human psychological perspective? If you have this kind of guarantee, I want you all to understand that in reality, the mindfulness of the Quran is one of the greatest forms of relief for humanity. And that is when we understand how we can manage our rizq. And knowing that it's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, its source and its guarantee and its end, meaning what eventually will come out of this. And if we coincide with that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ultimately be the one that blesses us and also gives us the one thing that no one else can. And that is solace, anxiety, anxiousness. What's the one biggest problem in the world when it comes to mental health right now? Anxiety, depression. What is anxiety? Uncontrolled fear of the future. Okay, and that's in Arabic called huzn. And uh, uncontrolled fear of the past is called ham. So those two things, there's even a Quran 
There's a prophetic, excuse me, prayer for both of those. And for most people, it's tied to a number of things. Imam al-Ghazali says for most people, it's tied to wealth and attaining wealth, or it's tied to status and attaining status. And those are the sources of all diseases of the heart. If you're having anxiety or a sense of depression or sadness because of a failed relationship, that's due to status. And then everything else related to money and, and establishing yourself and seeking it. So imagine... Uh, this all comes to fruition when we understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source of that solace for us if we have trust in Allah. That's the ingredient, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues then affirming how this rizq can be a deterrent as well. Allah The enjoyment of worldly desires, women, children, treasures of gold and silver. And uh, fine rides, nobody has horse, Persian horses anymore. The funny thing is the Persian horses are more expensive than some cars now. We don't even think about that. You know, when we look at the Quran, like, ah, who rides a horse? What's a horse do? Well, did you know that some of your horses actually more than your McLaren F1? You didn't know that. It's okay. So the rides, cattle, meaning like having provision and fertile land. And to this day, what's the best investment you can make? Horse, land. It has been made appealing to people, meaning, and here it says here, mata'ul hayat dunya, meaning these are in essence resources. They are mata'. They are sustenance that can be used and not you or not dominate you. Your whole goal is not to achieve it, but they are used as a means to achieve the goals of life. These are the pleasures of this worldly life, but when Allah, but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is the final destination. One thing I just want to discuss and, and specifically when it comes to risk management is how the Prophet ﷺ essentially allowed us to control how we manage our risk in the best of ways. And that is to have what's called a statute of limitations. Meaning what? The normative is that there's no such thing as Allah controlling your every dime and nickel that you spend every dollar and pound. But rather Allah gives us guidances and then limitations within that. So that's why a lot of people, when they say, we need an Islamic economy, we need an Islamic finance. In reality, what it is, is that the economy already functions. There's already in the finance sector. So what Islam does is give us guidelines and guidance for that and functioning within it. So when we understand certain things, it'll help us to increase our barakah, our output, our profit, as well as prevent us from falling into that which will prevent us from flourishing. So let's do the good things first. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a number of sources for flourishing or increase. And the interesting thing is to increase is actually the root meaning of barakah, to increase and to flourish. So when you have what's called a barakah mindset, Muhammad Fadis from Productive Muslim, that's all he's about. So if you want to know about barakah mindset and how to become a productive Muslim, number one, get his book and get his barakah journal. He gifted it to me, may Allah bless him. But it's a shout out because I believe in it, not because I'm trying to get paid for a product or marketing. But in essence, this brother, mashallah, has actually spent his entire life of how we can maximize that element of increase in every portion of our life. We know that that is from two angles. One of them is physical. One of them is metaphysical. Physical, you must be in good health. You must have what's called financial literacy. You must understand how to invest. You must be educated. These are all physical means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to take. And then the metaphysical, which sometimes, unfortunately, I'll be honest with you, Muslims kind of a little bit forget about. And they tend to be tested with. That's what Islamic finance guru comes in and says, listen, all of these things are great. Become well, uh, well-versed, become educated, become literate. But none of this will work unless you have dua, unless you have active relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, unless you don't do the things that Allah says will prevent you 
your wealth from increasing, will prevent you from your, and actually could, could be a detriment to your health. So imagine if somebody says, hey, listen, if you do this, it's going to cause a, a harm to your investment. What is everybody going to do? Immediately, they're like, I'm going to stay away from this. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to pull uh, my crypto from it because this person tells me it's going to harm me. Look how much care we have for those things. But Allah says in the Quran, and we read it in the Prophet and Sunnah, don't do these things or it will prevent you from increasing your wealth, increase in your health, increase in your investments and your assets. So let's cover those two things, inshallah, and we can wrap it up based on that. So first and foremost, when it comes to increase, number one, doing the obligations increases your wealth. Very simple. Do the obligations. Fulfill your obligations. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if there's nothing that a servant of mine can do that is better and will make them come close to me than fulfilling their obligations. Do your obligations. Pray your five times a day and then perfect them. So a lot of people are like, well, I do that. Well, do you do it well with perfection? Or you're like, hey man, there's five minutes left. I've been checking my crypto until like Dhuhr is almost over, right? Let me just get it out of there. That's not perfection, my brother. This is not where we increase increase our khair. So we have to try to increase and make sure that we perfect our obligations by praying at the earliest times, by making sure that we do our dhikr after the salah. Those things are a means of increase. By the Quran, I'll give you the evidence for it very shortly. The second thing is that we take advantage of all of the elements the Prophet says would give barakah. So number one, the fajr prayer and dua at that time. The Prophet says, My ummah was blessed in its earliest hours. Meaning the earliest, the waqt of Bakr is right after, and right before Fajr, right after Fajr, this area and this time is when it's blessed. So also from product, productivity to try to get your work done as early as possible because this is a form of barakah in your time, whether you know it or you don't. And also for those of you, I mean, like who've just done it. I remember I was watching this Business Insider video. This lady basically, she said, I started doing the uh, Navy SEAL schedule for morning. She works in uh, marketing. And she says she went to sleep at like 10 nine and then woke up at 5 a.m i'm like okay that's not a navy seal program that's a muslim program habibi you know what i'm saying <laughs> she's a muslim anyway she wasn't muslim at that time she's not muslim Allah guided. but the point being is that she did this for a week she found out that she had to sleep early otherwise she won't have productivity and then number two she found out that she actually got everything done by like 10 a.m at like 11 a.m she's pretty much done with all her work and that's literally the waqt that the prophet would do what he would take a, a midday nap it's not really midday uh, Qailula is actually the time before Dhuhr. But anyway, that's a different topic. So the point being is, all has to do with productivity and seeking the elements of barakah. Another form of barakah that a lot of us don't think about is that the Prophet says that you are blessed in two things. Number one is prayer. Prayer in the night. Your night prayer will bless you in your, in your life. So that night prayer will bless you in a number of ways. A lot of people think they have to do tahajj, they have to go to sleep, they have to wake up in the middle of the night. No. Abu Huraira said that the Prophet said, he commanded me to pray my witr before I went to bed. So if you pray two rakah or one rakah of witr, whatever, before you sleep, that is considered barakah for the entire night. And that's what? That's just mentally knowing that, hey, look, this is for me and my future. To the extent, I want to share with you guys something. Abdullah bin Masroud, he used to pray two rakah extra. And he would look at his son and his children, his daughters, his children while they were sleeping. And he would say to them while they're sleeping, this is for your future. And then he would recite the ayah in Surah Al-Kahf that we all recite, وَكَانَ And their father was righteous or their parent was righteous. Then he would start to cry. Because Allah is the one guaranteeing their righteousness through the righteous actions of the parent. And then he would just recite this ayah and, and pray in the night and cry that Allah is going to take care of his children. So subhanAllah, I mean, look, look, at the, look, look at how they dealt with money and investment. and It's a holistic concept. A lot of you think that 
Islamic finance guru is just about money. Do you know how much it's actually preventing you from waste? How? If Allah protects your health, do you know how many millions of pounds and dollars you're saving in your life? If Allah protects you from a harmful investment, a harmful relationship that is going to cause you harm or a harmful interaction or something, or let's say prevents a car accident from happening, you know how many thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars that could save you? So we have to think about it in a more holistic sense, and that's what the Quran teaches us in this manager. Lastly, lastly, inshallah, is what are the things we need to do to prevent harm from coming to us? Meaning, what are the things that we need to do so that our risk is not taken away from us? Among them, some of them we know, but we should, when you know the severity, you will understand that, hey, you need to fix up. Okay? So one of them is, of course, to harm one's parents. To harm one's parents is to cause them harm without reconciliation, without, you know, due cause. And of course, things that are exceptions that you, almost everyone usually comes to their mind. But what if somebody's uh, oppressing me? All those are exceptions. Don't talk about exceptions. I'm talking about the norm. The Prophet said that they are prevented and they are, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who will take care of them in this dunya before the hereafter. So it's a very serious thing. Number two, of course, sins. We have to understand that sins prevent actually wealth. And I'll give you an example. There was a young man who basically was going through it. And mashallah, he works a lot. He's making it. He's hustling, right? But for some reason, he's not keeping his money. And again, the barakah factor. So I said to him, I said, listen, man, you got to realize one of these days that if you don't keep consistently praying, Allah's going to take your money from you one piece by piece. And he was like looking at me like this with eyes. I said, listen to me. I know about your car, but I don't know about the details, but I'm going to tell you something. When you get a ticket on the highway or when your car breaks down and he loves to tune his car, when something breaks down in your car and you have to spend more money than you actually just made on the crypto investment that you just did, that's Allah taking from you what you didn't put back. And his mouth was just, jaw was open because that's very, I didn't even know his situation, but I know that that's what's happening. When you don't affirm what Allah subhanahu wa rights are, Allah will take from you, from your dunya. So a lot of people think that they can hustle Allah. How? Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do tawbah later. You know the relationship I'm in? You know, I'll fix it up. And I'm going to keep doing it. You know, if you keep doing it, Allah's going to take from you. And there's a statement in Arabic. They said that if you don't fulfill Allah's rights, it's a loan that you're taking from Allah's rights that he's going to pay back to you. And that means both good and bad. And lastly, I will share with you two du'as that was shared by the Prophet ﷺ to his companions with regards to risk management. And that is one du'a the Prophet ﷺ used to say every single morning. Allahumma inni yasaluka al-huda'a wa-tuqa wal-afafa wal-ghina. And these are all, goes back to the sources that we talked about that the Quran started with. Oh Allah, I ask you, I plead for you, I see, sincerely seek guidance. And I seek Consciousness, because the source of guidance is consciousness of Allah. To be conscious of Allah in everything that you do. Before you make a step, before you make a move, what does Allah want from me? Is this good for me? Is this going to please Allah? That's what consciousness is. And I'll tell you a story shortly after. He says, وَالْعَثَافَةَ And to be chaste. Now, a lot of people think chastity is just in sexuality. Chastity is with your tongue, my man. Chastity is with your eyes. Chastity is with your ears. Keep your mouth free from other people's names in, the, in your mouth. That's chastity. عِفَّةُ lisan, عِفَّةُ الْقَلْبِ to be chased in one's heart. And then ghina, to be enriched. And, the, and look at the amazing thing. Enrichment is both in, in wealth and enrichment is both in soul. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ says the, the most beloved servants to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the ones that are khafi taqi ghani. The ones that are light, light-hearted. And the ones that are conscious of Allah and they're ghani. They're rich. Do you think physically only rich are blah, blah, blah? No, no, no. Rich enrichment of the soul. 
And then the second dua, this again, I'll repeat it. Allahumma inya saluka al-huda wa-tuqa wal-athafa wal-ghina. The Prophet used to say it every morning and evening. The second dua, and I'll end with this, inshallah, is the dua that he taught Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this dua is specifically also mentioned when one has loans uh, and Allah will help you repay the loan. And also generally any time because it's such a beautiful dua. And that is when he said, say the dua, Allahumma ikfini bi halalika an haramik wa bi fadrika an man siwak. Allahumma ikfini. Oh Allah, suffice me with all the halal in this world. Allah, give me all the halal. That will prevent me from the haram. Look at the beautiful dua. Like, Allah, if there's a halal crypto out there, yalla, give it to me, right? There's a halal investment, give it to me. Because why? That will prevent me from the haram. Keep giving me the halal that will prevent me from the haram. Such a beautiful dua. And look at this. And enrich me with your virtue, with your sustenance, with your giving, over seeking it from anyone else. And that ultimately is the greatest form of risk management in the entire Quran, that you know that your sustenance and your wealth and your future and, uh, and your profit is in the hands of Allah al-Razzaq Jalla wa'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa bless us and enrich us in this life and the next. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove from us all of the barriers that will increase our wealth and our risk and barakah. May Allah allow us to have a holistic concept of risk. And then remember this ayah, Allah says, and in the heavens, is your risk, not on earth. So don't attach yourself to the risk that you think you're getting on earth when the solution is in the heavens. May Allah bless you all. Allah bless, continue uh, to bless Islamic finance, Guru and all of the people involved. Excellent work with excellence. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow them to rectify their shortcomings and also to benefit the ummah. May Allah bless you all. Jazakum khair wa sallallahu Jazakallahu khairan, Sheikh Hasib, for a beautiful tafsir session. I don't know about the audience themselves, but I thoroughly enjoyed that and I really benefited from that session. And um, for all of those of you that are asking, these sessions are definitely saved. They are saved on the Instagram page. They are also saved in a podcast format for those of you that like to listen to things on the go. Um, and obviously, we do these live on our stocks group as well. And just to mention, we also have groups for crypto. We have crypto groups for fixed income and property, as well as startup investing as well. So with that, Jazakallah khairan, Sheikh Hasib. I hope that this is the first of many tafsir sessions with you, because like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I hope everyone else did. And I ask Allah to accept everything that you're doing. You're doing some fantastic work as well. I've been a big fan of yours. And like I said, I've got many of the courses at Legacy Institute. For those of you that are listening, make sure you give Sheikh Hasiba a follow and follow Legacy Institute as well. Some fantastic work going on there, inshallah. Have a good flight, Sheikh. Have like good safe travels, inshallah. And we look forward to having you on the, the series session again soon, inshallah. Thank for everyone listening. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.